Welcome everyone to the Fantasy and Betting Podcast presented by the 33rd Team. I'm your host as always, Josh Lurkey, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Reynolds. We are going to be previewing the Week 8 NFL action after six teams on by last week. There are no teams on by this week. I ran the numbers back to at least 2013. We have not seen this happen. Six teams on by one week, followed by none the next. We'll get right into it. The Giants will be hosting the Jets. Giants were two and a half point underdogs. That's moved to Giants three point underdogs. The game total has stayed firm at a nice low 36 and a half. When we look at the Giants, I think Saquon's in for a pretty good game. People hear Jets and they think, oh, that's scary defense. Jets have actually been slightly friendly to running backs this year. Pretty league average four yards per carry allowed. But in the past game, which is where Saquon's often excelled for fantasy, the Jets allow the second most receptions and fourth most receiving yards per game to running backs. And then the one other way that you can exploit the Jets is with tight ends. No team has allowed more fantasy points a game to tight ends than the Jets, probably because they're creating a lot of pressure on quarterbacks and they need to throw short. Hence, running backs, tight ends, think they're going to be in for some good games. Probably pretty good for Wandale Robinson. I think he's a flex option this week. Ryan, what are you looking for on the Giants side of things? I mean, you know, they've had a pretty non-functional offense all year. And if Daniel Jones ends up being the quarterback, he's very pressure sensitive. That's been his problem since he was in college. And the Jets have a pretty significant trench advantage in this matchup. So it's a good thing that Saquon Barkley and Darren Waller in plus matchups because they don't have a lot of room elsewhere this week. I wrote an article on the 33rdteam.com, free to read about uh, different teams that spark good and bad offensive environments for fantasy. The Giants were one that sparks bad environments for the pass game simply because the Giants can't score points the other team doesn't really need to pass all that much and the Giants are just so beatable on the ground this is all shaping up uh, perfectly for Brees Hall why would you put the game in Zach Wilson's hands when the Giants are inviting you to run we have three running backs with at least 21 fantasy points against the Giants three others with at least 14 six running backs have at least 70 rushing yards Brees Hall took over all the rushing on this team in week five against the Broncos. We all remember that massive spike. Then week six, it was a little quieter, but if you look at the actual usage, he remained the bell cow on the ground and then pretty much took all the pass catching away from Michael Carter. They get the week seven by Brees Hall is here. He's locked and loaded. He is my running back seven for week eight. Anything else you're looking for from the jets here? And I assume you're with me that we're going to see one of the most run heavy game plans of the year from them. Yeah, I would think so. The Jets have a better roster than the Giants, plain and simple. The Giants, the, the Giants have two real paths to victory here. And the first is, you know, you just said it. Zach Wilson's passing attack is not exactly awe-inspiring. You know, if he plays a clean game, the Giants are in trouble. But the Giants also have a trends advantage in this matchup. So they can apply pressure on Wilson. That's their path to keeping this one close, maybe stealing one against the Jets. Next game, we have the Panthers hosting the Texans. The battle of the number one and number two picks in Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Panthers were three-point underdogs. That has moved to them being three-and-a-half-point underdogs. Game total was at 42-and-a-half. It went up a little bit to 43-and-a-half. Now, if you like the Texans in this one, Texans, as I mentioned before, three-and-a-half-point favorites. But if you go to mybookie.com, you can get the Texans as three-point favorites. That's a key number right there. Promo code 33rdteam, 33rdteam. We'll get you a 10% deposit match. We'll help us stay employed. And then if you want, you can take the Texans minus three. Now, if we look at the Panthers, this is supposed to be the start of the running back committee. Miles Sanders did not impress 
at all through the first five games. Week six, he doesn't play. Chuba's a bell cow and looks pretty good. Week seven, they get the bye. And then the coaching staff came out and said that it's going to be a committee hot hand type approach. Other thing that I'm looking for, will rookie second round receiver Jonathan Mingo take on a larger role after the bye? We often see rookies increase their involvement post bye. We saw that with Jackson Smith and Jigba. And right now where this past game has been funneled almost exclusively through veteran Adam Thielen, uh, it's, it's, it's worked. Thielen's been great, but uh, historically we generally do not see uh, a mid thirties veteran hold off a young receiver with draft capital post by, and then on the Texan side, I think they can score pretty much however they want. Carolina is allowing over five yards of carry to running backs second most in the league. Carolina just also happens to be allowing the sixth best passing efficiency to quarterbacks. Stroud himself is fourth in pass yards a game, fourth in yards per attempt. I think the Texans can hang quite a few points on them here. I think CJ Stroud is a pretty decent streamer this week, though the, the one concern is that Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary are simply too efficient on the ground. What are your other notes in this game with the battle between the first and second overall picks? On the Houston side, what I'm curious about this week is if they if their running game sees a bit of a spike this week. You know, Isaiah or uh, Damian Pierce is getting hit in the backfield a lot so far this year, and the Panthers have gotten shredded on the ground. So, looking to see if he can have a a pretty good bounce back spot here. His uh after last week, his rushing yard to- total in prop markets is 53 and a half. Seems like suspiciously a little high. So, curious to see if he beats that. And for the Panthers side, Thomas Brown's taking over his play caller. I'm I hope he moves. Bryce Young out of the pocket, rolls him right, tries to manufacture a few completions for him, try to get him going earlier. And like you said, I hope Jonathan Mingo sees a bigger role. That will be an interesting thing because, you know, how long can we count on Adam Thielen at this point? Guys, that's Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. Ryan's watched every snap of every game since 2014. He still lives to tell about it. He talks about football in a very unique way where he's watching all the film. He's also extremely numbers literate. That's a tough combo to find. His expert picks and predictions for every game just hit the site today. Make sure you check that out and then make sure you tune back in on Saturday when hitting the 33rd team.com is what Ryan will be betting on and looking for in every single game. Speaking of every single game, another game we have is commanders hosting the Eagles, the rematch. The, the first game was surprisingly close. Wasn't it Ryan? And uh, it looks like uh, betters out there do not think this one will be as close. Commanders were six and a half point underdogs when it opened. That's moved to plus seven. Commanders now full touchdown underdogs. Game total remains at 43 and a half. When we look at the commanders, this backfield is now just a three-way committee. It's pretty gross. Week six, Brian Robinson had 10 carries. Chris Rodriguez had four carries. And I was like, oh, we, we don't love that. And then in week seven, Robinson had eight carries and Chris Rodriguez had seven. And then we also have Antonio Gibson. He's running the most routes on the team. He's their pass catching back. I do not like three-way splits in a running back room and a bad offense. Would not recommend starting any of these guys this week in fantasy. I would recommend streaming Sam Howell if you need to. Eagles have allowed the 10th most fantasy points a game to quarterbacks. Essentially, their, their pass defense hasn't been quite as good as last year, but their offense has still been very good. And that sets up nice game environments for the opposing quarterback. And as a result... Uh, of both quarterbacks needing to pass a lot and the pressure the Eagles create. If you're playing in PPR formats, the Eagles allow the second most fantasy points a game to receivers. They're getting a ton of receptions, a ton of quick passing. And uh, that's kind of what you need when it's a commander's team that's really spread the ball around. 
So I'm streaming Sam Howell. I'm playing Terry McLaurin fairly confidently here. Anything else you're looking for on the commander's side? Yeah, Washington also beat Philly for the they were the first team to beat Philly last year. So they've kind of given them tough games in each of the last two seasons. That said, you know, I, I want to talk about Sam Howell real quick because because he's interesting. Like we talked about yesterday with our uh, series with player profiler uh, member Theo, um, who I also streamed with today. Uh, Sam Howell plays just well enough to get you in trouble. You know, he's in some ways he's the perfect commander's quarterback because they haven't really ever had stability <laughs> at the position. And he's kind of like he's kind of like a really good version of Tyler Henneke. So but in this matchup, like you said, Josh, Eagles pass rush, big time trench advantage in this matchup. And I'll say this. I'll add this. Last week, I think the Eagles had their best their Eagles secondary had their best game of the year. So if Philly won this game with some distance and that's where the line's moving to, it really wouldn't stun me. Yeah, as we mentioned each and every week, Howell pacing to break the single season sacks taken record by 20. I, I think the Eagles fantasy defense is a great one. Not that they're available on waivers, but for anyone out there that has two defenses and one of them, the Eagles, you should probably just start the Eagles. Speaking of the Eagles offense, Washington has allowed a league high 16.7 yards per reception to receivers this year. That smells uh, pretty tantalizing for AJ Brown, who has five straight games now with at least 125 receiving yards. Overall, we've had six receivers hit 98 yards against Washington this year, seven receivers, at least 19 PPR fantasy points against Washington. This could be a good day for the pass game. And one prop I'm looking at is Devonta Smith, just to see what happens there. Last year, we saw Smith and Brown as relative equals. This year, Brown's definitely pulled ahead. The prop right now, it's about two times higher in the receiving yards markets for Brown compared to Smith. And Smith in the 40s feels quite low against the Commanders. Haven't taken it yet, but that is definitely one that's on my mind. Anything else you're looking for here from the Eagles? Yeah, agreed. I don't I don't think it's just a production thing. I think AJ Brown's is better than Devonta Smith, where it's a bit like the Jamar Chase T. Higgins situation, where yeah, Devonta Smith's a really good receiver who would be the top option on a number of teams. But in this one, there's a pretty big gap. That said, I do think the gap's a little wider than reality. So I could see I, I love that you're on that too with Smith. I'm interested in that as well. I'll probably play him in DFS a little bit this week. So looking yes. forward to looking forward to discussing that more for from a props aspect. Yeah, we'll have our top DFS plays from the two of us, our head of DFS, Jordan Vanek, and our lead analyst, Hilo. That comes out on Saturdays. The the Hurt Smith stack might be treating us pretty well this weekend. Yeah. One game that's probably not going to treat us well is uh Dolphins hosting the Patriots. Uh this this might be a pretty brutal watch. We'll we'll kind of have to see. Uh, the first matchup was a little interesting, but since then the, the Patriots have really fallen off a cliff. It did open though at Dolphins 10 point favorites. That's moved. Dolphins room only, only nine point favorites. Now game totals at 46 and a half, pretty healthy. Most of that on the Dolphins end. What I'm looking at is that last week, Raheem Moster and Salvin Ahmed were the top two running backs. I think Jeff Wilson's going to take over for Ahmed sooner rather than later, probably this week. I would still be stashing Wilson. I know a lot of people dropped him after he didn't get usage last week. I would certainly be picking him up in almost every single format. And then if we look at the, the Patriots end, it's actually not complete doom and gloom here. So the Dolphins actually allow the fifth most fantasy points a game to quarterbacks. If we dig in more, the Dolphins are pressuring quarterbacks at the second highest rate in the NFL. What does that mean? Uh, well, we should probably look at the low depth of target receivers on the Patriots. And we see that 
as this Patriots offense has been breaking down the past two weeks, Kendrick Bourne is averaging nine targets a game the last two games with an average depth of target under two yards. He looks like the preferred option here. And then the speedy Demario Douglas, his average depth of target is at three and a half yards. I think you can probably flex him in a pinch, but, but Bourne looks like the guy that I think you can confidently start and get at least something in the flex. Ryan, what are your thoughts on this game? Do you think it'll play similarly to their earlier contest, which was extremely run heavy? Yeah, and that one, you know, the Dolphins running game, their defense primarily won that game. One, one thing that's interesting to me in this contest is Dolphins are at least a fringe contender. I'm going to call them a contender in general. Well, and they're coming off a pretty bad loss in Philly last week. Well, the Patriots, you know, injury ravaged team roster that wasn't that good to begin with. It's coming off an upset win over Buffalo, so that disparity, one team's in a bounce-back spot, one team's in a let-down let spot. I don't really do the let-down thing with Bill Belichick. That's a different animal there, but, you know, Miami's going to be highly motivated here. They have the raw materials to blow the doors off New England a little bit, but, yes, I do expect this to be more of a, a defensive-minded contest rather than, like, a 34-20 type game. Do you lean under 46.5? That's where I'm leaning. Haven't bet it myself, but... That's a hefty amount of points for this matchup. Yeah, if I was going to bet every under on the slate, yes, I'd, I'd take the under here. Next game, uh, this is actually one of the best games of the week. I think it reflects how bad a lot of these games are. Cowboys host the Rams. Cowboys opened as six and a half point favorites. They're now just six point favorites. Game totals at 45 and a half, pretty hefty. When we look at the Cowboys, let's talk about Jake Ferguson. The Rams have struggled against tight ends this year. The first four weeks of the season, we loved Ferg Daddy. Six targets a game, catching four of them for 37 yards, not running a lot of routes. And we were like, you know, it'd be really fun if he ran more routes. Well, the last two weeks, his routes went up by 30%. And instead of six targets, he's been targeted two times per game the last couple of weeks. I think this is the bounce back game because we're getting more usage out of him in the routes run department. It's also a good matchup, but... uh I still think he's kind of a low floor option, but if you're looking for upside at tight end, Ferguson does profile as one of the the better streamers for this week. Anything else you're looking for from this Cowboys offense coming off the bye? One thing I'll attack on for Ferguson that's a positive is, you know, outside of Aaron Donald, the Rams don't really have a great pass rush, so he should be freed up to run rounds and not have to chip in as a blocker too much. You know, overall, Dallas is a vastly superior roster to the Rams. We saw the Rams get beat up by the Eagles a little bit earlier in the year. It's a potential. There's a potential for that kind of situation again. Dallas is coming off a bye. This boils down to does his offense finally hit its stride? Does it finally at least play towards its ceiling a little bit against a pretty, pretty beatable Rams defense? Yeah, and then on the other end, the we know the Cowboys are going to bring a lot of pressure. I think there's going to be a lot of quick passes to Pukunokua and Cooper Cup. Both going to be extremely PPR viable. When we look at the Rams running back room, Darrell Henderson, I think, is around a, he's like a low-end fantasy RB2 this week. Cowboys are a tough matchup for running backs. But uh, one thing we've seen from the Rams is a commitment to the lead back. It was an 18 to 12 carry split between Darrell Henderson and Royce Freeman last week. But again, that's 18 to 12. You're not going to give Darrell Henderson 30 carries. I think there's a chance that they run the ball 22 times and then Henderson gets almost all those carries this week. He had the red zone. He had the goal line carries. Freeman did not. He also ran more routes than Royce Freeman. And this was his first game since week 11 of last year. I'm pretty bullish on at least at the very least the workload for Darrell Henderson in this one. Ryan, you've been all over Stafford this year. He's played very well in almost every game. It seems like the path for the Rams here would be Stafford, Cup, and Puka in this one. 
Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Stafford, I'm going to add McVay. I'll even add uh, Tutu Atwell, too. Tutu Atwell's a, a bit of a field stretcher. Could see him getting loose here once. But, again, you know, big-time talent disparity between these two teams. Last week, I liked Puka more than Cup against the Steelers. This week, I like Cup a little bit more than Puka Nakua. Curious to see what, where Jordan Vanek leads later in this week for DFS players. Let's talk about the Steelers, who host the Jaguars. Steelers opened as two-point underdogs. They are now two-and-a-half-point underdogs. Game total was at 42. It went down a little bit to 41. If we look at the Steelers, the last week they faced the Rams. As we talked about, they, they beat the Rams. Uh, the Rams have shut down running backs in the past game. Najee Harris, big game, big surprise. Uh, Najee Harris, he's the, the guy that takes most of the carries. He runs it up the middle. But this week, they get the Jaguars, who are allowing the most receptions and the fifth most receiving yards per game to running backs. Last week, Najee Harris game. I think this week's a Jalen Warren game. I know in some shallow leagues, people were dropping Warren. I know a lot of people have just plopped him on their bench now. I think that you can flex him this week. And then on the, the Jaguar side, oh boy. Let me, let me tell you guys. Let me tell you guys about my friend, Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk has been very good this year. He's been out-targeting Calvin Ridley. He's been out-producing Calvin Ridley. And I just took Christian Kirk over 53.5 receiving yards at minus 115 on my bookie. Kirk's been over that number in five of his last six games. Last year, he was 10-7 and seven on the over. Not only does it look like a solid line at face value, but the Steelers are actually an elite matchup this year for slot receivers like Kirk. Kirk has spent 83% of his time in the slot this season. Steelers have given up the most fantasy points a game to slot receivers. If we look only at slot reps, Pittsburgh has allowed eight players through six games to top Christian Kirk's line. More than one player per game, purely looking at slot reps, has at least 54 yards. This feels like a great play. MyBookie.com, promo code 3013, and you can bet on Christian Kirk as well at less juice than other sports books. Ryan, what are you looking for in Steelers Jags? And do you agree with the public that the game total should be going down? Yeah, one thing that struck me with this is I was surprised by the spread a little bit because, you know, they're basically inviting you to bet on the Jaguars. So I was surprised by that. Two, two plus two plus two and a half is an underdog spread. So again, surprised to see that. The under, I, I probably go a bit the other way, other way, actually. I don't think it's like a major over, but I'm, I'm thinking this is more like 24-20 type game. For for the Jaguars, my big concern there is T.J. Watt against right tackle Anton Harrison. Harrison's gotten better. Ken Robinson's back at left tackle, so the tackle situations for Jacksonville, you know, has, has been better. It's one of the things that's coincided with their their uh, winning streak here. But T.J. Watt right now, if the season ended today, he's a defensive player of the year. Don't think it's close. And I say that as a guy who has a bunch of Michael Parsons tickets from when markets opened months ago. But Watt's been the guy who's driven. He's been the most impactful defensive player so far this season. And now on the other side of things, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett needs to go and, go and win a game this week is, is how I see this one. Do mm -hmm. I want to bet on that exactly? Eh, probably going to pass, but that's how I see this. This is a game for Kenny Pickett to take, take a step forward. Yeah, Kenny Pickett has best game of the year last week. Averaged over nine yards per pass attempt. It was the first full game with George Pickens and Deontay Johnson. Jaguars are a, a beatable defense for receivers. So yeah, I actually was kind of surprised as well. This game has been trending under. 
Next, we have the Colts hosting the Saints. The Colts opened up as one and a half point favorites, and people laughed. Now the Colts are one point underdogs, two and a half points of line movement, especially flip flopping it. You don't see that every single week. Game totals at 44. With the Colts, uh, I mentioned this on our Monday recap show. Jonathan Taylor was more efficient than Zach Moss on the ground and through the air last week. It was the first time through their three games overlapping that we'd seen that. I think Taylor takes on at more of a 60-40, 65-35 split this week. And I would say that if he doesn't, then uh, I'm going to be very concerned. And Jonathan Taylor might be falling in my rest of season rankings and trade value chart. Might be dropping down a tier. Those are free on the 33rdteam.com. And that trade value chart is downloadable as a PDF. I've certainly been using that to evaluate all the trades in my leagues. One thing that these two teams have in common, Colts Saints, they allow a top 12 amount of fantasy points to slot receivers. That's good news for Josh Downs. And that is actually good news for, and this might sound like a cop-out, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, and Rashid Shahid. Well, Josh, you just listed all the receivers. It's because all three of Olave, Shahid, and Michael Thomas have run between 120 and 160 routes from the slot. I could see a huge game from any of these guys against the Colts. I think we'd obviously lean Olave, given that he's been the target leader, but I don't think it would surprise me if any of these guys had an 80-plus yard performance. Anything else you're looking for here from the, the Saints and Colts? My immediate reaction when I saw this game is I like the Saints, so the line moving doesn't surprise me. Um, this is a bit of a letdown spot for Gardner Minshew's passing attack. I love Gardner Minshew, have for years, but I don't think what they did last week is all that sustainable. And the Saints have, you know, Saints have a good overall defense, pretty good run defense, where I don't think you're gonna be able to they're gonna be able to get the success they had against Cleveland last week. And you know, just just to throw this in here, one of the most surprising aspects of this season so far is Zach Moss is second in the league in rushing yards right now. That's that's got to stop, you know. Probably start stopping this week, and then on the other side, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you on the Saints' passing attack. You know, Derek Carr has some touchdown regression coming, has some big plays coming his way. His shoulder injury is four weeks in the past now. Probably still a factor, but it seems like it's becoming less and less of one each week. Looking forward to seeing the Saints' offensive tackle situation later in the week. You know, once injury reports are finalized, if that's a go, I could see Carr having a bit of a spike game. And yes, I'd, I'd lean Olave being the primary beneficiary there too. We're going to breeze through this. This is, I'm going to call this the worst game of the week. The Titans will be hosting the Falcons. The Titans were one point underdogs. They're now two and a half point underdogs. Game total was 37, and that's really low, but it's now at 35. It's because the Titans will have Will Levis under center. They've even made comments suggesting some kind of committee approach. Wouldn't shock me if uh, they just pluck Will Levis at the goal line for Malik Willis to run the ball in. Uh, maybe they try to audition Derrick Henry. There's been trade rumors around him. Maybe they audition DeAndre Hopkins. I, I really just don't like the look of this at all for the Titans. The The Falcons' defense looks like an elite streaming option this week. The Falcons have allowed the fifth fewest pass yards to quarterbacks. They've allowed only seven fantasy points a game to receivers on the outside. That's where Hopkins has lined up two-thirds of the time is the outside Maybe they put him in the slot more and try and get a few layup targets for Will Levis. But at this point, I honestly have no faith. And I think if I had to place one bet in this game, it would just be the under on whatever the the Titans team total closes at. Ryan, do you have any hope for this Titans offense? I mean, I think they're going to have an interesting game plan. I could see Levis and Willis coming out on the field at the same time a couple of times. I think they said that for a reason. You know, I don't think it's going to be pretty by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think it's going to be interesting. 
Uh, you know, Levis is a good thing for Hopkins, like you said, but the one thing that I have here for Tennessee is you trade your best secondary player when your secondary is already weak. There's a bit of a white wave in the white flag to the locker room. Like you said, maybe Derrick Henry is on the move. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. is on the move. The lock, the the situation in that locker room from a morale standpoint has got to be pretty dicey this week. Yeah, on the Falcons side, Bijan Robinson no longer has a headache. That's good. He's off the injury report. Uh, unfortunately for him, the Titans are a pretty stonewall run defense. They get their nose tackle to ear tart back this week. He practiced in full yesterday. When he's on the field, they allow 2.9 yards per carry. That's best in the NFL. When he's off the field, they allow 4.1 yards per carry. That's around league average. For those wondering, that means no, I'm not flexing Tyler Algier this week. You can still play Bijan Robinson because he's probably going to lead the team in carries, but also because he's had one of the best pass game roles among all running backs this year. But ultimately, I wouldn't get too cute. Uh, like you could stream Ritter. But I, I think the, the main play here is just purely Bijan Robinson. Do you have any other thoughts here on the Falcons? Where, uh, I mean, it seems like it's going to be a pretty conservative game plan from them in this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for them, as, especially with their long-term prospects, like you said, this is essentially a Ritter game. Like you, you can throw in Tennessee, but you can't really run on them. Uh, you know, Maybe maybe try to light the Titans up if you have a lot of confidence in him. But m- here's my thing here, Josh. And I'm going to talk about this game from a spread perspective on Friday. I'm actually kind of leaning towards the Titans because I think it's going to be contrarian. But, uh, you know, still very undecided there. But here's the thing, Josh. Arthur Smith. First it was Kyle Pitts. Then you've done things with Drake London that none of us are happy with. And then the B. John Robinson mess last week. Arthur Smith, please stop doing weird things, man. Yeah, uh, he he's had some press conference comments this week that also did not do him any favors. He floated the idea of a three-way running back committee out there. Uh, Yeah. I think we can say this guy's a certifiably a donkey with a lot of his play calling people out there being like, Oh, the Falcons are four and three. Well, if you look at the teams they're beating, I mean, that's been a soft, soft schedule. The real opponents they have not been winning against. Let's talk about a fun divisional matchup. We got the Packers hosting the Vikings. Packers were one-point favorites. Now they're one-and-a-half-point underdogs. I think that's how it should be. I was actually surprised, personally, that the Packers opened up favored in this one. Game total is 42. With the Packers, I don't have much to say other than this offense is a mess. Jordan Love hasn't had 200 passing yards since week four. He's thrown three touchdowns and six interceptions over his past three games. Christian Watson's banged up. Aaron Jones has barely been playing. I have no faith that this team's going to score points against a Vikings defense that has been up and down this year, but has definitely been significantly improved compared to last year. I think this is another letdown for the the Packers offense. This in general, this is a big game for Green Bay. Season's kind of a, a bit on the line here. You know, you lose this game, you're in trouble, especially if to Minnesota, who's fighting, scratching their way back in the playoff game. Bunch of injuries on offense, like you said. The defense has been good, but. You know, I don't have any confidence in the Packers at all right now. On the Vikings side, two of their past three games were a running back committee with Alexander Madison and Cam Akers. Akers actually outcarried Madison in week seven, and Akers was more productive through the air. They both had, I believe, three targets, but I think Madison had, if I remember correctly, I think he had three receiving yards on those three targets, whereas Akers ended up with 30 receiving yards in this game. I think we're starting to look at what could become a 1A, 1B committee. Then you can't start either of them in fantasy, and then I can victory lap uh, victory lap Alexander Madison and Cam Akers because I was fading both of them 
to start this year. And that has looked pretty good. They're now going to ultimately sandwich each other. Uh, can't say that I dislike that for the hashtag takes. Ryan, anything more insightful to add here for the Vikings? That's Jay Larky tweets. He hates Alexander Madison as a person, and he and he's right. He's been right to this point. He's been right. This is what I'll say about about the Minnesota Vikings. Actually, we talked about this yesterday. They came out with a huge effort game yesterday. They actually looked faster than the 49ers in a lot of areas, which was something that was pretty surprising. I, I don't imagine that kind of effort is going to be repeatable this week, especially on defense. But their defense has been trending up in the last three weeks, which is a positive for them. But this is what things ultimately boil down to. Kirk Cousins has been great this year. This is probably his best year to date. He's the reason they're still in the game, still in games, still in the still in the playoff hunt to a degree. If the Vikings were five and two, I think I think Kirk Cousins would be the second in the MVP market right now. He's been excellent. One thing I want everyone to keep in mind too, though, is seventy yards and a touchdown of production against the 49ers last week came from Jordan Addison, essentially stealing an interception from a 49ers defender. That's a good point there. Let's turn to the Seahawks hosting the Browns. Seahawks opened as two and a half point favorites. They've now become four point favorites. I would assume at least part of that is that Sean Watson won't be playing once again. Game yeah. total was at 40. It dropped to 38. I think that's also Deshaun Watson. PJ Walker in at quarterback again. The Browns also won't have Jerome Ford, who has a high ankle sprain. I'm thinking Kareem Hunt's going to get the red zone goal line carries. He's probably going to get more pass game work. Splitting some carries with Pierre Strong, who's the, the more explosive, probably more efficient runner. However, I think out of these two, I definitely lean Kareem Hunt for fantasy. The Seahawks very surprisingly have allowed a league low 2.9 yards of carry to running backs this year, but the ninth most receptions per game to running backs. One thing I've looked at is Kareem Hunt receiving overs. I have already dabbled on over 14 and a half, and I will continue to look, see if there's anything like longest reception. But I, at this point, the Seahawks have only been beatable through the air with running games. And then in the past game, the Seahawks have been beatable in the slot. They've allowed the second most fantasy points per game. I think that's where Cleveland's going to attack. Uh, I think they're going to rotate Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore there. So I think either of them could have a big game. Would not expect both. I think it's probably going to be either or given that it's P.J. Walker. But I think that's kind of where the path to success will be for the Browns. Any other notes to add here where the Browns will face the Seahawks? Poor Amari Cooper, man. I mean, PJ Walker, it does seem like Watson's, you know, if he, I'll, I'll get back when I can, doesn't sound too, doesn't too sound enthusiastic. This is a team that, you know, every year there's at least one team, and now this year there's two with Zach Wilson with the Jets, where a premium defense gets stuck with a quarterback who, you know, 20 points is worth celebrating for, for a team like this now. Why is it, I don't know how the salary ramifications will work, but like, why aren't you calling the, the commanders about Jacoby Brissett right now if you're Cleveland? Just, do something about the quarterback position, please, sooner than later. I would agree there. I know some of my best ball teams took Jacoby Brissett in the final round as a bet against Sam Howell. Little did I know that that might end up hitting because it's a bet against Deshaun Watson. <laughs> turning, to the Se turning to the Seahawks. <laughs> DK Metcalf practiced in full this week. He will be back. Tyler Lockett's not practicing right now with a hamstring injury. I don't know what's going on. I think Tyler Lockett's going to be okay, though. I, we said that about Metcalf last week. We'll continue to monitor that. My fantasy rankings are on the 33rdteam.com. They're free to view. I will stay up on top of it. I update them at least once every single day. When we look at the Browns' defense, they allowed over 27 fantasy points to Lamar Jackson and Gardner Minshew. 
The other four quarterbacks they faced were all under 11 fantasy points. I would trend towards Geno having a rough day. I think it's a ball control run heavy game plan for Seattle. Zach Charbonnet has been back at practice this week. He, he missed last week due to an injury. I I think we're going to be looking at 20 carries from Kenneth Walker, potentially 10 carries from Zach Charbonnet. That to me feels like their path to winning. Is that kind of how you view this one as well? Yeah, I mean, you know, we saw the Browns give up a ton of points last week, but I think that's more of an aberration than anything else. You know, we we saw them shut down Joe Burrow's Bengals, saw them shut down the 49ers at full strength. And, you know, the reality is Geno Smith's made a lot of high-difficulty throws over the last two years, pretty impressive throws, but he scored 30-30. The Seahawks have scored 33 points over the last two games against the Cardinals and the Bengals. Those aren't exactly the 85 Bears we're talking about. So against this Cleveland Browns defense, I think the Browns' secondary is going to give their wide receivers trouble. So I would mimic the Colts' approach too. I'd, I'd come out run heavy for as long as I can. Let's turn to the divisional rematch. The Broncos will be hosting the Chiefs. The last game they played was what two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the Thursday night game. It kind of just happened. Yeah, I think it was two and, weeks ago. And uh the reason I'm not remembering is uh, oh boy, that was a snooze fest. Hopefully, uh this game's better. Can't really be worse than the first one. Broncos were eight point underdogs. That's actually moved in their favor. The Broncos are now only a touchdown underdog at home. Game totals at 46. Week seven, Javante Williams led the backfield and carries and routes run. The first time all year that a Denver running back led the team in both. He moved up my rest of season rankings. That was very exciting for him since as fantasy managers, I, I talk about this a lot. We we can't really start these running backs that are in committees on bad offenses. The only way we can ever legally start a Broncos running back is if it's a bell cow. And Javante took a trend towards that. We like that he's inching, inching, inching towards that. The other note I had for the Broncos, Cortland Sutton continues, continues to outproduce Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy's also on the trade block, apparently. I'm curious if he gets moved. It was very interesting. Last year, Judy was on the trade block, and then he was just too good. And they didn't trade him. This year, he has uh, definitely looked not like himself. And uh, I think, not that we should expect trade deadline moves, but I'd say Judy looks like one of the more likely moves that could be made at this point, which would open up Marvin Mims who has gotten almost no usage and no production the last few weeks, but I'd still be hesitant to drop him. I'd at least want to wait until the trade deadline passes. Anything else here, Ryan, for you on this Broncos team? What, what, what are they going to do here against the Chiefs? Yeah, I'm close to being done with Jerry Judy myself, Josh. And it was two weeks ago that they played the Chiefs. Thankfully, AI's on the case, making the schedule better for all of us. Yeah. And, you know, as we've all seen, they've been wonderful primetime games at this point, you know, as we get the Chargers and Bears this week. Now, Josh, back to the matter at hand here, Chiefs-Broncos. Denver has the raw materials to be chippy here. Their defense has played well recently. These teams faced each other a few weeks ago, as we said, so they're super familiar. Um, The thing is, is can Russell Wilson go out and win a game? You don't need to score 35 points, but, you know, 20 would have been enough last week or two weeks ago. So I do think Denver can give the Chiefs a game here. They're just so inconsistent. They don't have a real identity yet, so I don't want to bet on that outcome. Yeah, speaking of AI, the the next two Thursday night matchups pretty fun. We've got Titans Steelers. Oof. Mm-hmm, yeah. Two of the teams that we least like watching right now on offense. And then the week after, fortunately, they gifted us uh Panthers Bears. So there we go. Uh, thank you, Allen Iverson. Now turning to the <laughs> turning to the Chiefs. Let's talk about Isaiah Pacheco. I bet 
earlier today, Isaiah Pacheco over 15 and a half receiving yards, minus 112 on my bookie. It's already been juiced to minus 120 on most other sports books. Pacheco has been over this number four of his past five games. We've talked about this a lot, actually, on our Monday recap shows. The Pacheco workload keeps going up. The receiving workload has been consistent. At least three targets in four of his past five games. Running backs against Denver, if we look at the matchup, have the third most receiving yards a game. And if we look at Pacheco's 15 and a half receiving yards number through 10 or through seven games, we have 10, 10 running backs in seven games that have gone over this number. Isaiah Pacheco over 15 and a half receiving yards, minus 112 on my bookie. Sign up with promo code 33rd team, get a little deposit match, and you too can bet on Mr. Pacheco. My one other note for this game is Rasheed Rice is here. He officially ran more routes than Sky Moore in week seven. That was the first time it happened all year. Think of him just as a, an efficient starting wide receiver for a Patrick Mahomes offense. That's exciting. We, we've we talked a couple times now about his upside. I truly believe Rasheed Rice has top 20 fantasy wide receiver potential. He's not there yet, but I think in two to three weeks, that's very likely how we could be talking about him, where they're just funneling the pass game through Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. They desperately need someone to step up alongside Kelsey. Rasheed Rice looks like the guy there. Any other notes here on the the Chiefs? And do you think this offense gets going? Because it did not get going in their first run through against the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, division games with a lot of familiarity. I, I get why that game was low scoring and a bit underwhelming. But at the end of the day, you know, and I, I, I get a lot of feedback with this with power rankings is, oh, you have the Chiefs too high, where it's like, listen, Patrick Mahomes is the MVP favorite again. The defense is giving up the second fewest points in the league. Like, the Chiefs are the most reliable team in the league. So they should beat Denver. Like, if, you, if you're a survivor pool player, you're like, all right, I'm going to deploy the Chiefs this week against Denver. There's a lot of good options, so maybe I don't do that. But, you know, you're at least betting on the most reliable football organizations there is. I am looking at a blowout. The Cardinals host the Ravens. Cardinals opened as eight and a half point underdogs. That's moved to nine and a half. Game totals at 44 and a half. Looking at the Cardinals, we had a full running back committee with Amari DiMercato, Keontae Ingram, and the veteran Damian Williams in week six. And then all of a sudden in week seven, they said, you know what, DiMercato, we love what we saw from you, which honestly wasn't much. And then he had 13 or 14 carries for this team and ran almost every single running back route. He was like the, I think his usage was the third best or fourth best among running backs last week. Absolutely wild. The Ravens run defense has actually been kind of league average. That's really where you have to beat this team. Maybe you fire up a little DiMercato. I, I don't think I'm quite that bold, but if you just yeah. want a volume back, if last week repeats itself, DiMercato is that guy for you. Quarterbacks have greatly struggled against the Ravens. They are averaging under five and a half yards a pass attempt. That's more than 10% lower than any other defense in the NFL right now. The Ravens have literally shut down pretty much every single quarterback out there. I have Marquise Brown wide receiver 34 for the week. That's probably the lowest he'll be rest of season since Kyler Murray probably returns the next week. Ultimately, what I'm signaling with that ranking is you should probably find better options. You're, you're hoping Marquise Brown gets hit deep, but uh, I, I think I would bet against that this week. Anything to add here on the Cardinals? I... I think if they score a touchdown, I'll be impressed this week. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same mindset. The Ravens are giving up the fewest points in the league. That's kind of what they're known for. Uh, uh, there's nothing that I really like about the Cardinals' offense in this game in general. 
what you need for the Cardinals to be competitive here is the Ravens to have a letdown game after their big spike week against the Lions last week, coming across the country. And you need Arizona to find that those high effort games they had early in the year. Otherwise, from a talent perspective, they're they're they have a big time up uphill battle against one of the most consistent teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of effort, like we talked about, the Cardinals first three games really high effort. The last month has been just kind of what we thought going into the year past four weeks the cardinals have allowed more than nine yards of pass attempt to quarterbacks by far the highest in the nfl lamar jackson might build on last week's success i think there's another big day through the air in store for him arizona is also allowing the fifth most rushing yards a game to running backs this past month at nearly five yards a carry gus edwards looks like a fantasy running back too the way i'm seeing it even though the spread is pretty pretty intense for a road team I think you're probably taking the Ravens or you're simply leaving this game alone. Uh, I don't think either of us have much faith in the Cardinals. Any other notes here on the Ravens? And do you kind of also think we could see Lamar build on last week, given that this Cardinals secondary looks like they there's no fight left in them? Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this early in the year that Todd Munkin's offense is essentially an investment in Lamar Jackson long-term. If they're going to knock off the Bills, the Bengals, or the Chiefs in the playoffs, you know, you're going to have to beat at least two of them in general. You need to be more successful through the air. So. I imagine they're at least going to try to to keep the momentum going with Lamar Jackson. Again, the only real concern here I have for Baltimore is letdown game tra- traveling across the country. It's pretty thin reason to bet against bet on the Cardinals. Guys, Ryan Reynolds, NFL on Twitter. His work is free on the 33rdteam.com. Check out his expert picks and predictions for every game that's already up on the site every Thursday. His power rankings hit the site on Tuesdays. And every Saturday, he lets you know exactly what he's betting on in each game and my fantasy rankings each week, plus my rest-of-season rankings and trade value chart are always up on the site, getting released on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and all our articles link our free Discord. Hop in there, chat with Ryan and I, start sits, trade questions. We're there to help. Waivers, where we are doing our best. Each of us puts in a couple hours a week looking through those questions, and you also get our prop bets. You get DFS advice from Jordan Vanek. Discord's free. I don't know why you would not hop in there. We have about 3,000 members and growing. Before we get to the two island games, Sunday Monday Night Football, the last Sunday game before Sunday night is the 49ers hosting the Bengals. The 49ers were five and a half point favorites. They are now three and a half point favorites. Maybe we could say that Brock Purdy is worth two more points than Sam Darnold because Brock Purdy's in concussion protocol. Sam Darnold will get his first start as a 49er. Game total also dropped with the Darnold news from 45 and a half to 43 and a half. I think, Ryan, we have the ultimate test here. The ultimate test. How quarterback friendly is the Shanahan system? Can Darnold succeed? What are your thoughts on Darnold? I'm actually relatively optimistic since at this point, every single quarterback not named Trey Lance has gotten it done for the Niners the past half decade. Yeah, I think it'll be fine. I don't think, you know, Brock Purdy's actually been pretty good, but I think Darnold will be fine. Game plan wise, what comes to mind is long time ago, Mike Shanahan, when he got Jake Plummer, you know, non shotgun, single back formation, play action, roll, roll Darnold outright, create some, manufacture some completions early in the game. I'm, I'd be surprised if we don't see that early. And the other thing here is the Bengals don't have a significant pass rush. So I think that helps Darnold too. One thing to note, Christian McCaffrey played every single snap on Monday night. The oblique injury did not seem to matter. Adam ranked fantasy RB1 last week. A lot of people were like, you can't do that. He has the oblique injury. 
this is why we can do it. Uh, the the yeah. Niners really just have no regard for this guy's health. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Every carry just looked painful. Thinking about uh, having a strained oblique and going through all that. On the Bengals side, it's actually not full doom and gloom for this offense. The 49ers are quietly giving up the 10th most fantasy points a game to receivers. And Joe Mixon's been horribly inefficient this year. I think that we're going to have a pretty pass-heavy game plan from the Bengals coming off the bye. The Niners have given up the third lowest yards per reception to receivers this year. I think there's going to be a lot of manufactured looks for Jamar Chase, a lot of slants in this one. I think if a receiver is going to let you down, it's probably going to be T. Higgins in this contest. Jamar Chase, locked and loaded fantasy wide receiver one. I have stubbornly kept him in my top tier of the rest of season rankings, along with Christian McCaffrey and Tyree Kill. I think Chase is still the third most valuable asset in fantasy football. Any other thoughts here on the Bengals off the bye? Uh, <clears throat> I really strongly considered having the Bengals beat the 49ers outright in my expert picks. I had him covering, uh, still have him covering even with the line movement because, you know, you have the Bengals coming off the bye week. Joe Burrow looked good in the two previous weeks before then, looked, looked mobile again. As long as the Cincinnati Bengals can manage the 49ers pass rush, how you beat San Francisco is in the air on the perimeter, specifically with freak athletes like T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. So I'll play, I'll double stack Burrow and DFS a little bit this week. And I'll probably take them in ATS pools too, as long as I can get them at least three and a half. Two games left Sunday night football. Chargers host the Bears. Chargers eight and a half point favorites. Game totals 46 and a half. The Chargers have given up the most pass yards game this year, 335. And the Bears have given up the fourth most pass yards per game this year, 265. With the Chargers, Josh Palmer and Gerald Everett didn't practice Wednesday. We'll monitor those injuries. And when we look at the Bears against running backs, they've allowed the fifth lowest yards per carry to running backs this year. Bears have actually contained the pure runners, but they've allowed the second most receiving yards per game. People out there have been frustrated with the Austin Eckler receiving role. I think especially if Palmer or Everett don't play, I really think we're going to see that this week from the Chargers. There were just too many Austin Eckler runs up the middle their past two games against the Cowboys and the Chiefs. Do you have any other Chargers thoughts here? I, I think they can win this one pretty handily. Yeah, we're on the same page there. This I think the offense runs through Keenan Allen and Eckler, especially Eckler this week. Could see him having, you know, 10 targets type thing. You know, you, you talked about this in the offseason. When Mike Williams or Keenan Allen was out, Eckler saw a big spike in passing game usage. And if Palmer misses, Palmer also misses this contest specifically, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, uh, I'm expecting that too. In general, the offense has not been the same since Mike Williams has left in week three. It's been a little dicey. This is a pretty good correction spot for them. Um, I'm going to touch on Quentin Johnston real quick because this is like a, a strange peril that I thought of before. His his early career usage reminds me a bit of O.J. Howard's, where you have this dynamic athlete that you took in the first round, but he's just running clear outs, you know? And he doesn't look particularly impressive either when you're watching him. So I, I hope I hope he progresses. But right now, you know, I, I actually think if, if Everett and Palmer miss this contest, Donald Parham's the third most reliable pass catcher in this offense. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, as a Chargers fan who watched them take Johnson in round one, I think I'd have to agree with you. On the Bears side, a lot of people really love Tyson Badgent, and I'm gonna put some, uh, we're gonna put some sand on the fire. Tyson Badgent targeted running backs on 34 percent of his attempts last week against the Raiders. That's a lot. 
20% is generally a lot. 34. The average depth of target on all throws, not just to the running backs, all throws from Tyson Badgent was two yards downfield on average. Bryce Young is the lowest qualified passer for air yards per attempt this year at five and a half. Badgent was at two. So you might say, Josh, how do we exploit this? Well, I think Roshan Johnson, who's out of concussion protocol, I think he's really going to benefit here. I have him running back 19 for PPR. I think he's going to have a truckload of targets. And when we look at the receivers and tight ends, I think it's going to be another big DJ Moore week. Already talked about it. The Chargers have been friendly to pass games. DJ Moore was the only receiver or tight end with a target share of at least 15% last week. It was at 32%. He had nine targets. He caught eight of them, 54 yards. His average depth of target was three yards. I think we're going to get more of the same. I think Roshan Johnson and DJ Moore could have half, maybe 60% of the team's targets in this game if the Bears are actually trying to win this one. And I'd, I'd pretty much stay away from every other pass-catching option, despite the quote-unquote tasty matchup with the Chargers. Is that how you're seeing this one as well, that uh, hello Roshan Johnson in the pass game? Well, Tyson Badgen had 162 yards passing last week. And I'm gonna before I answer your question, Josh, I'm going to throw a wild stat at you. Mm-hmm. Donta Foreman had over 900 yards rushing last year. He had nine targets. He had five last week, and that's because of Tyson Badgen. So <laughs> normally normally I don't think coaches want to stick a rookie quarterback, especially one like Badgen. You know, if you have C.J. Stroud, fine. Rookie running back's fine. But usually you don't want to pair a rookie quarterback with a rookie running back because of the reliability aspect. But if Roshan Johnson's in the game, I think he's running a route. If they need someone to block, they're going to go with Evans or, or Foreman. So I, I don't want to play him yet but I'm very interested to see what happens here. Sorry about Monday night football. The lions host the Raiders lions favored by eight points. Game total was 44 and a half. It's gone up to 46. Looking at the lions. I talked about this on Monday. I think Jameer Gibbs, you hold him or you sell him. We saw the ideal Jameer Gibbs game last week. Detroit's down 28 zero at halftime against Baltimore. David Montgomery's injured. Gibbs had 10 targets. He caught nine of them. He had 27 fantasy points, third highest at the position last week. I don't think Montgomery plays this week, but there's still a chance that he does. So I I think with Jameer Gibbs, you're about to get the hammer back in Montgomery. I don't think Montgomery's done anything for them to think that they should not keep feeding him tons of carries and give him the goal line work whenever he's healthy. And then in the past game, Jameson Williams ran about half the routes last week. It's very encouraging. We're starting to see more integration into the offense, though it was a cardio day. Six targets, 143 air yards, did not reel in any of those targets. I I think better days are ahead for him. Would still recommend stashing him on fantasy benches. Any other notes here on the Lions? And do you buy into these Jared Goff home road splits? Because if so, Jared Goff in for a massive day against the Raiders. Well, yeah, I mean, I've been calling this a destruction spot for Detroit all week. That's a tough physical football team that just got their teeth kicked in last week. They're not going to be very happy this week. Prime time at home. Jared Goff's going to let it rip a little bit against the Raiders. Past defense that has been much better than I expected, probably better than anyone expected. And then if Montgomery doesn't play, you know, Jameer Gibbs isn't exactly a bell cow running back. He's more of a Camara type back, you know, high target share for a runner. But, you know, they played in the negative gain script last week, so I'm not thinking he's seeing 10 targets this this week. But would th- I expect Ben Johnson to try to get Jared Goff going here, and, you know, I expect him to jump out to a lead and never lose it. 
Uh, poor Josh Jacobs. The efficiency hasn't been there yet to hit four yards of carry in a game. And the Lions allow 56 rush yards a game to running backs, third lowest in the NFL. They also allow the 10th fewest receptions. So Jacobs has mostly been getting it done in the receiving game. I think he's going to have a fine enough fantasy day. I'm not saying not to start him, but I for those out there, they're like, oh, better days are ahead. Look at the usage. Uh, I don't think better days are ahead for Josh Jacobs in week eight. One interesting note, every quarterback not named Lamar Jackson has reached 36 pass attempts against Detroit. I will be starting Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers across a lot of my leagues because of volume. The matchup isn't scaring me too much. The Lions have allowed the 12th most fantasy points a game to receivers simply because of that pass volume. I will definitely be looking at some Jimmy Garoppolo pass attempts overs whenever that comes out. That has not come out yet. It looks like he's going to return from injury this week. If he doesn't, I certainly would not be betting on Brian Hoyer against the Lions. Any other thoughts here on the the Raiders? And I think we can just assume for right now Garoppolo's playing. Yeah, if this game is going to be, has any shot of being interesting, Garoppolo needs to return because the Raiders just lost to the Bears by 18 points with Tyson Badgen, a quarterback who threw for 162 yards. You know, <laughs> if if they if they put together a similar outing against the Lions, it's it's going to be bad. So. Let's let's hope and pray for our for our viewing pleasure that Jimmy Garoppolo at least can make this a little bit close. I certainly hope so too. Folks, that'll do it for our week eight game by game preview. If you want more content from us, check everything out on the 33rdteam.com. Ryan, what he's betting on comes out in a couple days. We'll be very active in our Discord. We got the player prop happy hour tomorrow with the two of us and Ben Wolby. So we'll drop some prop bets for the good people tomorrow hop in the discord from myself from ryan reynolds from the 33rd team taylor swift from all of us for week eight thank you everyone